Welcome to the coaches meeting. That's the coach. I'm Grant Cohn. What's up? What's up? Uh, free agency is wrapping up. So we need to look at what the Niners have added, what they haven't added. We're going to look at we've I've been talking about Kyle's leadership all week. And I know Niner fans don't like to talk about that. And it's like me complaining. So we'll save that for later. We don't want to just get straight into like my complaints and grievances. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Let's go with yeah. some analytics. Let's talk about the second edge rusher. The Niners have prioritized their pass rush. They added Javon Hargrave. He's a great addition. But they also lost Charles Amenehue, Jordan Willis, and Samson Ebukam. And I'm thinking on third down, who is that second edge rusher bookending Nick Bosa? What, who is it? Trey Jackson. Okay. Um, it's got to be Drake. Um, I believe that he's got to take his leap this year. Uh, he kind of had his red shirt year. Um, went through, played a little bit, got his feet wet. Um the talent is there, Grant. I just think that maybe his body isn't there yet. He needs to get a little bigger, um, a little bit stronger. Uh, but it's the same thing with all of our young guys who we depend on playing. Reps. Um, same with Trey. Reps. He's got to be able to sustain himself for the run game um, and do more than just go get the quarterback at all costs. And that's kind of the position that he was put in as a rookie. He was asked to just, you know, go do your one thing. Go mm -hmm. rush the passer and uh, make a mess out of things, right? <laughs> but I think that this this is the year where even, like, let's just say, we signed somebody late in the draft, right? I mean, not in the draft, but in free agency, right? There's nobody really viable around that, could, that we could count on right away. The guy that we just got out of Detroit, um, Chris Kosarek has got his work cut out for him. I mean, he's he's less heralded than all of the reclamation projects that we bring in. You know, um, are we really going to lean on Cleveland Farrell to to be that guy for us? No, no. Right, right. Even no. though we know that you know, past 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 history has let us know that. Most of these guys are going to show better than what they were before they got here. You know, I'm looking for Cleveland to kind of be a reclamation project, just like Samson was, just like Charles was. Um, but well, let's stick with Drake for a second. I think Drake is really interesting because it looks like on paper, like it's it, he's slotted in to start at DN. This is his job. They drafted him last year. They probably knew they weren't going to re-sign Ebukam and Charles and Menihue. They were probably preparing for this. But we've seen Drake Jackson play. And he, he, they've lined him up at D-end on base downs. He hasn't been great against the run. He could improve. But on third downs, the way I saw it, he either lined up at D-tackle or lined up at D-end and uh, either shot an inside gap or straight up looped to the inside on like a, a stunt. And when I talked to Chris Kacerik last year, he said, you know, if you watch his highlights from college, most of his sacks came from the interior. So, I mean, you look, they, they list him at 6'4", 273. At his pro day, he was... He was listed at 6'2 and a half, 273. Man, that's Solomon Thomas size. He's a yeah. tweener. He's a tweener. And I think I think his future is more as like as the Amenahue replacement. I think he could do a really good job. I actually think on third down, you should have Bosa, Hargrave, and Jackson, and not Armstead. Lord forgive me. But I still think that edge you're looking for like a D Ford, Hassan Reddick, 
real fast guy off the edge that doesn't even need to play for forget first and second down. I don't care about first and second down. I don't think that guy's on the roster, but I do think they they're gonna try to draft that that guy. I think they will. Um, I think if they draft that guy, it'll probably be in the same ilk of uh, Drake Jackson, but just on the inverse. They'll find yeah. a guy that he's a he's a little light in the ass, but he's an outside guy. Right? Exactly. So an outside yeah. linebacker, but they they can use him as a situational pass rusher. Yeah, and he's more yeah. of an outside guy because really, yeah. um, that's that's just. I mean, it's what we do, right? We engineer deficiencies, right? If we can't actually go get a guy to patch it up, we'll throw multiple guys at an issue. That's that's kind of what we do um, as yeah. a team. So from what I see, I, I, I mean, the, the flat-out answer was Drake Jackson because um, that's the path, right? They drafted right. him. He essentially yeah. was our first-round pick last He's year. right. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. You would look at him to be a guy to not spot play, but actually contribute and have a real role. And coming in his when you year, squint, doesn't he kind of look like Alden? He got he's got Alden Smith's number. Like, he looks like Alden, he's got the yeah. length. He kind of has that like he, well, he he stunts to the inside. Like Alden Smith was never a monster monster bend edge rusher, but he won in a variety of ways. Maybe that's what the Niners scouts saw in him because a lot of these scouts here were, were scouting and drafting Alton Smith ten years ago. Maybe that's what they saw. I don't know. Well, Drake is a phenomenal athlete as well. Like that—that's another thing. Yes. Is, like he yes. can—he does. Yes. He he's does explosive. Some things in space, right? He can do backflips. Like he's very—he's uh, like a gymnast at two hundred and seventy-three pounds. He's got long he's arms. Very athletic. He's much more mobile, uh, fluid than Solomon Thomas ever was. Who was just yeah, a big bundle. Yeah, of, and I think uh, we do need to kind of muscles. step that back. I mean. The numbers. Yeah, I didn't mean to say Solomon Thomas. He's better yeah, than Solomon. The numbers, Thomas. notwithstanding, they are not the same athlete. They are not. The He's same better. Athlete. I just mean that. I think I look at him more as a tweener. Like you, you could put him at DN, but you could also put him at D tackle. And I think on third down, he's going to yeah. win most against guards. I feel like you're still looking for that guy who runs a four-five-five, a four-five-six, like D four did. A guy who just gets in the backfield and causes havoc immediately. And I think, look, I got a name now that the drafts are in. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Nick Hampton from Appalachian State. What do I know about Nick Hampton? He ran a 4-5 something and he had like 20 sacks the last two years and I watched two minutes of his highlights and he looked pretty good. So that's a guy who could be available. I mean, you're not going to get a superstar at the end of round three, but you're looking just for some traits that you can try yeah, to coach up. And, and yeah. like, like you said, like, I mean, like yeah, I said athlete. before, like, I don't, <clears throat> unless we, I mean, we always find guys late that contribute, but you know, outside of running backs, we find guys that contribute at a specific area, right? And what yeah. and what I believe is um, for where we're drafting, I mean, we could possibly package some picks to go up if we really are hell-bent on a guy. You know, yeah. we could package some stuff and go up and go get a guy. But if we're, staying, if we're standing pat, I think that what we have in the building with Cleveland Farrell, with um, – Drake Jackson and what we bring in with the draft is going to be the engineering of that one encompassing pass rusher that we need opposite Nick. So yeah, um, it's going to be a labor of love. Definitely. I mean, I just feel like since the Niners went and got D Ford, they know they need this. They know it's a specific skill set that they've been searching for. It's not easy to find. And they try to kind of talk themselves into Samson Ebukam being that guy. And he's a really good athlete, really good against the run, fast. But he's not a tremendous pass rusher like D. He's Ford. not savvy. He's not, and that guy's gone. And I think I think they're gonna. Now, 
Nick Hampton's like 236. I don't know if the Niners would take uh, an edge rusher who's 236, but someone kind of small, someone like D40 was about 250. I think they're going to well, be looking for that skill set. It was Ebukam. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, and again, they don't, they don't need edge setters. They got Farrell for that. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. One thing that I'll, I'll – another thing, and I just want to check myself too. I, I've been saying this a lot, by committee, by committee, by committee. But the Niners run a defense that's predicated upon role responsibility. You know, yeah. play your role. So yeah. within that, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes we look at football from a player-for-player player standpoint of, well, we got to get a guy over there, right? But mm-hmm. – if we have men that can actually do their job, keep their gap, and we run vanilla up front, I yeah. I don't see an issue with us going to go get that traditional guy on the other side. You're right. We did. We swung and we missed on D4, right? And, and yeah. we've been playing for it ever since, right? And but then, when he was healthy, you kind of saw the vision, like what they oh. wanted it. He could do it at, at times. And, man, when he was healthy, that pass rush was really, I mean, it would win games on its own. Oh, when, when you see what our defense is supposed to be healthy, we got the you know we have a historic defense, but the problem is is that uh, we can't keep health, and and those guys are expensive. And 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 I'll say this: I don't think that unless we go and find a young guy, I think that this is always going to be an issue because we got to go pay Nick, right? Yeah. So yeah. once we pay Nick. This is going to be an ongoing thing where right. we're always going to be trying to find that under market, overvalued, mm-hmm. less money paid guy that can come in and give us more than what we actually deserve for him because we're paying this guy $30 million a year. Right. But what's nice about like this D lineman in particular is they don't have to be three down players. So what you can do, you can have your Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, those are your three down players. Um, but then on the other side, it's like I could platoon Eric Armstead and Drake Jackson. I, I need an edge rusher. I could get a guy who's 235 pounds that most teams will pass over in the first couple of rounds. It's like, ah, he's not a three-down player. Great. Let him fall to me at the end of round three because I just need him for, for third down. And that's – I mean, I think that's the best thing. It's hard to find those guys on the – you can't get like th- third down offensive linemen, third no, down yeah, DBs. Exactly. It doesn't work that it's, way, you know? It's like uh, sometimes yeah. like – I know what football says we're supposed to have, right? You want yeah. two bookends, right? You want yeah. two D tackles, right? But, yeah. But the money, uh, I just no. we're always going to be doing that on the D line if we can. Yeah, we yeah. Exactly. You know? And it seems like the Niners took care of part of the platoon. Part of the platoon. Cleveland Farrell, hell of a run defender. He could definitely right. be a base D end for this team. Um, Drake Jackson could absolutely be part of the platoon as a pass rusher. I don't know where but yeah i think they need another pure pass rusher just a pure pass rush you can't have enough of those guys jck510 wants to know what you mean by um role responsibility on defense okay what i mean by role responsibility is is uh uh like the chiefs the chiefs are are they um the eagles they mismatch right they they travel they play they go player for player right yeah with the niners we run a base set of vanilla of a vanilla base defense where yeah we do not change we do not let the offense dictate to us we dictate we to do. the offense yeah right they're gonna rush for play play you know zone coverage and we're gonna and stay th- yeah. in our responsibilities right and yeah what the offense gives us d 
dictates our role. We don't throw in extra guys and get out of position based on what the offense gives us. We stand pat to our rules because we trust in our we trust in our base defense. That's what I mean by role defense. Good question. Good answer. All right. So the Niners have to figure out what they're doing at, at that second edge rusher spot. The Niners also have to figure out what they're doing at kicker. It's it's odd to think of a Super Bowl roster that doesn't have a kicker on it. And they've had Robbie Gold forever. He says he wants to leave. No one seems to want him. Nobody He's a free wants agent. Him. And the Niners don't even seem to want him. So I mean, he did seem like he was losing a little leg down the stretch last year. That's true. Maybe he's done. What are the Niners going to do here? I mean, is this something they're going to address in the draft? Are they going to have a yes. rookie? Yeah. Yes. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, they're going to draft a guy. They're um, going to draft a guy. Just like they drafted Wisnowski. Yeah. Like there's yeah. A, first of all, first of all, Yeah. if you're a kicker or a punter and you're getting drafted, you're damn good. Yes. If you're getting a pick wasted, on, not wasted, but if you're getting yeah. a pick dedicated to you, dedicated yeah. to you, yeah. you are more than adequate. Okay. Yeah. These teams, uh, football is all about numbers and and assets, and picks are yeah. serious assets, no matter what they are, compensatory, yeah. supplementary, supplementary, seventh round picks. So I believe that there's a kicker in the draft for us. To, I, I just kind of look at it as like. There's over 100,000 guys vying to get into the NFL. If we cannot find a kicker, what is our scouting department doing? We got we can find a kicker. I would think they could find a kicker. And the fact that, again, the fact that they're not even looking to address it makes me feel like they're very confident about this. They know what they're going to do. Everyone's looking at that Jake Moody guy. I'm looking at Draft Tech. They have him uh, ranked 242 overall. Right. So the Niners could get him in round seven. <laughs> And if they want to make sure they get him, they could splurge and take him around six. Six. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they can get a kicker. I'm not I'm not necessarily worried about kicker. What I am worried about is um um us just finding consistency at the kicking spot because it's kind of like once you get it, you kind of set it and forget it. The problem is is that once it goes haywire, you you end up chasing. It's like Vegas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You never find that kicker. You know what I'm saying? It's just funny to me that it I mean, the thing that was nice about Robbie Gould I guess he didn't have a, a big leg but he never missed a kick in the playoffs and this is a team that you know doesn't score a lot of points and is in close games in the playoffs and the kicker's important uh there's a lot of high pressure moments for the 49ers kicker and now right. you got to put a rookie in that spot and of course I mean he could do it maybe but they better really know a lot about Jake Moody and they better make sure that some team doesn't beat him to the punch on that because what's the plan b if they don't get Jake Moody I don't know what I guess it's some other guys. But I mean, you know, think about kickers again. I mean, his pressure will contextualize with the games that we're trying to win throughout the season, right? So I mean, yeah. Robbie Gold's Robbie Gold's playoff record, you know, mat matured, you know, with him getting those reps. I just I hate to sound like an old man, but just kickers are just, you know, just kick the ball. We do everything else. Make the kick. So I just think well, all I'm saying is it would be a shame if this juggernaut roster was undone by the kicker spot. And it's like, you know, Robbie goes right there, but he doesn't want to come back. I don't understand. Why don't you sign that him and cut him? That is kind of odd. That, it's it odd. is odd that he does yeah. that, that. Do you think that he that he's shocked that he didn't get picked up? He thinks he's a Hall of Fame kicker. Hall so of yeah, Fame I don't think mean he's good now. I know. But I think he, he, he was talking like, you know, I don't want to. 
I'm going to exercise free agency. I'm not coming back. Like, okay, well, what did you learn? <laughs> did you get a call? Do you I mean, want to change you know your what? approach? I mean, the, 11th, the 11th hour is still out there. Like, we could still sign Robbie Gold. It's true. I, right? It, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. The Niners if could really still make moves. can have his exit interview and still show up, then Robbie Gold's got a shot. That's true. Don't count out Robbie Gold from coming back. This, yeah. The kicker market is still percolating. Yeah, right? All right. He, I All mean, right. anybody buying after him. <laughs> All right, last thing uh, about the roster before we go on to leadership. I think there's two ways to look at this free agency. The Niners lost a lot of guys and mm-hmm. didn't necessarily replace all of those holes. And you can look at it as like, wow, they really have a lot of um, faith in the upcoming rookie class, those 11 picks from late round three on. Or you could look at it as, man, they got a lot of faith in that draft class from last year, which a lot of those players, you know, a lot of those players didn't really play very much last year. And, you know, we're looking like, do you like Ty Davis Price? Do you like Danny Gray? Do you like Sam Womack? Maybe the fact that they let so many players go means that they really do like some of these second-year players who either were in the doghouse or were just being registered. Like, is that how you take it, or do you think they're going to be leaning more on rookies this year? Hmm. Well, I do I do feel a certain way about the redshirt class, the rookies from last year, because – I feel it's at least offensively. I feel like that they were drafted with Trey being the quarterback in mind. Right? Agreed. Especially with, Danny Gray. Yeah, especially Danny Gray. But maybe with, Ty Davis Price too. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Ty yeah. was Ty was slotted to be a more physical back, somebody that could keep things in between the tackles, somebody that could, you know, you would have to think twice on a lot of those read options with Trey and Ty Davis back there. I could not see what they were trying to do. Um, right. Yes. I, I I feel I have mixed feelings on this question because in the former you feel that way about Danny Gray, right? Right. Yeah. Um, we necessarily don't have a quarterback that could get him the ball outside of Trey. It was clear right. that's why he was put on the team. Um, yeah. But then on the other hand, you see guys who actually got their reps and you didn't see much, like Ty yeah. Davis Price, right? right. Um, yeah. So I feel like there is going to be a mixture of both. I, I I'm the way I'm looking at it is over the six years of drafts that we've had under this regime, there's always been a mixture in the draft of guys who they want to show up immediately, guys who they shelf, guys who they miss on and guys who surprise them. Right. And I think that who showed up immediately for us rookie wise last year uh, would have to be uh, Burford. Yes. Burford. It was Burford. That was it. Uh, Samuel Womack early, then he got benched. It was Burford, and then Brock Purdy came on late. Everyone else, Drake Jackson, minimal impact. Uh, everyone else. But that you can't write people off because Aaron Banks got redshirted. He ended up being solid. Talanoa Hafunga was like in and out. He ended up being an all-pro in his first and, year and, as a and, starter. And to, to stop on Talanoa, this doesn't get talked about enough, but we were we were noticeably worried about that safety position before the offseason started. Like, the start... Just think about that. For what he did in the season, right, Grant? And we had the starter staring us in the face. And all of us, including myself, were saying, Mm -hmm. we got a hole in safety. We're like, what are we going to do without Joukowsky-Tart? What what are we going to do? 
And to see the way he played, you know, I don't forget I don't forget moments like that. So when we have conversations like this, I I can't sit here and act like there's not there's worth on that roster that that I don't know about yet. Right? There's yeah. there's there's players, there's red shirt guys that have not been put in a position to perform. They haven't been put in a competitive pressure position to go through camp. A lot of these guys don't get good reps. You know, they, you know, so I am encouraged about what we have because I got to be honest, I was not counting on Talanoa Hafunga to do what he did this year. I was not counting on Spencer Burford. No, I was hoping that Aaron Banks would do okay, but I didn't see this. I didn't no. see a year like this. So so let's go through some of the young guys and, and give uh, who we who we think might break out unexpectedly. To me, I think the two running backs have an opportunity here. With if, if Trey Lance starts week one and they do some zone read looks, you know, I'd like to see what Ty Davis Price looks like with that. I'd like to see what Jordan Mason looks like with that. I mean, Kyle Shanahan gets so many running backs hurt, I feel like those two guys are gonna have to step up. Elijah, like yeah. Elijah Mitchell, I don't know what you're going to get from him going forward. He's always hurt. And Christian McCaffrey, I feel like Kyle Shanahan's just, I mean, how many care, how many touches a game does he give Christian McCaffrey? And how long is that going to last? So right. I think these, you these two you young guys. Right. You my guy, but I can't let you do this. What, McCaffrey? I, I cannot let you go down the running back tree like these boys ain't going to come in and do their thing. Like they No, they're good. Fresh. I just don't, I don't, I don't like how Kyle overuses running backs. I feel like. You th- no running back should be getting more than 15 touches a game. Like, you're just going to get him hurt. I don't what? care how good he is. Hold Maybe Derrick Henry. No running 15. back should get more than 15 carries a game? I don't think you need to do it. I don't think you Why? need to do it. Because he's going to get hurt. I, I think better, running backs are better off in rotation anyway. You keep him fresh. I mean, maybe I mean 15 carries tops and maybe a couple ke- uh, you know, catches on top of that. But, like... McCaffrey was getting like 25 touches a game down the stretch. It was too much. I don't like it. I mean, I guess you have to because you give him $12 million a year and you gave three picks for him. But I don't know. I feel like running backs are best in moderation, kind of like alcohol. Mm, I think running backs are the gas pedal of the game. Like you control the tempo with running the ball, right? Sure. Use three of them. Game up or slow a game down with running the ball. Hell yeah. I like running the ball. Yeah, and I don't care. You can't coach effort. You got to tackle somebody that's willing to punch you in the mouth over and over again. And that's, I brought this up. But he'll punch you harder if you give him 15 punches as opposed to 23. Well, if he getting 23 for 12 million a year, come on, man. There need to be a couple of 30 carry games in there. Like, Let me ask you this. How many running backs in the NFL even average more than 15 carries a game in 2023? Seven? I mean, that's a gotcha stat. I don't know. I I don't even know. But I just feel like the, the NFL is trending that direction. And Kyle's over here being like, nah, my 200-pound running back's a bell cow. And then every year he's like, man, he got hurt. I don't understand what happened. Mm-hmm. What happened? Was it me? No. I was like, dude, he's 200 pounds. Look at Raheem right. Mostert. You give him the ball a lot. I mean, not Mostert as much, but McCaffrey, like a lot, lot. So anyway, you have Ty Davis Price. You have Jordan Mason. They're legitimate hammers. Use him. Mitchell can't stay healthy. Like, give him a freaking break. You know I ain't feeling. I, I mean, the boys got to run, man. They, you know, they running backs. That's that's what they get paid to do. This is why you shouldn't draft running backs around. Like Bijan Robinson, people look at look at him this year. Like, dude, he's a running back. You're gonna give him 20 carries? Who cares? 
care. I can I can get twenty care. What what can he do on third down? That's my question. What can he do on third down? That's what that determines his draft. I don't know. We're talking about running backs right now. We're yeah. going off on a running back tangent. We're, let's talk about who else. You think Danny Gray can? Danny Gray knows the offense now. It does, does it depend on who the quarterback is? Let's say it's Trey early on. Danny Gray could be a serious factor this year. Yeah, I think Danny Gray. I think Danny Gray is almost itching to be better. Um, one thing that I will say near the end. Well, he didn't really get a lot of opportunities this year, but near the end of the year. He did get some opportunities. And one of the things that I noticed is that before he got those opportunities, he was blocking a lot. So I kind of yeah. feel like he's kind of going through the the Brandon Ayuk um, maturation process of, you know, you got to prove that you actually are a football player before you can prove what position you play. Right. Yep. So, you know, you can't be a receiver first if you're not a football player. Like so. that, and he's, I thought he was doing that. Special teams, he was he had a nice end around. Another yeah. guy I want to see, I want to see Jason Poe, man. I, make the team, put, find something for him. He's he's a legit is, is prospect. He, is he the undercover fullback? Yes, he. I, I, yes, I think he's the Niners' Patrick Ricard. So use him, I get him in the zone, get him in the pistol, and just blow people off the ball with him. I think he'd yeah. be a better blocker than Usechek at this point. Usechek gives you like run pass, you know. Uh, deception, but Jason Poe just bl- blow people up. Well, Tom waits on nobody, and we play a very physical brand of football. So I'm going to be very anxious to see um, what we do because, you know, I I love our brand of football, but I have to be honest, <clears throat> we weren't the biggest bully in the yard last season. Nah. Um, they they want to be a run-first team, right? Well, there's a lot of teams that run the ball better than the Niners. A lot of them. Yeah. We're, yeah. We weren't the biggest bully in the yard last year. And that is something that I'm going to be paying attention to this year, right? Um, What is our identity moving forward? Are we more finesse? Are we going to be trying to air the ball out more? I hope so with the arm of Trey. Um, But we do, I will say this, uh, when you are as physical as we are and you incur as many injuries as we do, and the age and the age of the team keeps going up and up and up. At first, we used to be a young team. We're not young mm-hmm. anymore. We're we're mm-hmm. a, we're a, we're a veteran team, right? Yeah, it's a um, core that's been together a while. Yeah, not only is a core, but we're starting to spend on core, right? We're not even spending before we used to go out and spend like ancillary picks, get guys like a, a Charles Aminahue or a Samson Ekubon. But now we're we're lopping off the top guy of the free agent pile now. You know, and relying on all these day three picks, and the Niners had success. I get it. Now. Yeah, absolutely. We're living high off the hog now, and and with that type of, with that type of, you know, maneuvering of your team, that burns out quick. You know, we're flying a little, we're flying a little too close to the sun as far as what we're doing to make our team better. So, to be honest with you, to kind of bring the conversation back. I really do want some of the young guys to step up because if they're not, that's a lot of heavy lifting on older guys that get paid a shit ton of money. And that so, really aren't here anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. Like Hargrave, Hargrave was always in a rotation in Philly. Now it's like, what you get, is that you don't rotation? Get paid to rotate. Yeah, there really is no rotation right now unless someone like Kalia Davis steps up. There's two guys the Niners took late in the draft that are just projects, and I want to know what the deal is with them. Kalia Davis, Nick Zakel. Right. What is the plan there? Is Nick Sika, could he be your right tackle? Or is there something he can do for this team? And Kalia Davis, is he, is there something there? I'd like to see that. 
Um, I that. think Kalia Davis was pressing near the year, end of the year. They just decided to shut him down because he wasn't ready. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I do, I felt the energy around him. They were very encouraged about what he yeah. can do. So you're right. I am, I, I'm encouraged in seeing what he does over I mean, the summer. He might be competing with Javon Kinlaw for a, a roster spot. I mean, because right now at D tackle, the Niners go Hargrave, Armstead, um, Givens, McGill. And Kalia Davis and Kinlaw, that's 60 tackles. I don't think they're going to keep 60 tackles. So that's an interesting competition right there. We are still paying for DeForest Buckner. Crazy. Crazy. <sighs> hey, can we talk about DeForest Buckner? Hey, can we talk about Javon Hargrave? Because you haven't been on the show Let's since do it. they signed Javon Hargrave. What did you think of that signing? Uh... It's a big swing. It's a big swing for a, a, a defensive tackle who had a breakout season at 29. It's going to be 30. Uh, there's a couple of things. One, uh, I like the production. Eleven sacks from an interior defense from an interior guy. Beautiful. Who 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 was being rotated? He's not an every down guy. Um, so his efficiency was off the charts. Off the charts. Off the charts. But, but he played in the five Context. man front. Context. Right. He played in the five man front. Uh, got one on ones. What one on one? He perpetually got one on ones with. Rested reps. He played. Yeah. He played on the best D line that he's ever played on in his entire career. Yeah. And to be honest with you, what took you so long? You're yeah. thirty. You know. Yeah. Um. You're, yeah. you're you're thirty and you're just kind of emerging as a guy. Um. We could be getting the guy who just had the best season of his career, and he may be coming down. You know. That's a or he may just come back to earth because honestly, right. he's averaged. He's averaged five and a half sacks a season, including last year. So, right. So I mean, and that was and that was with him playing next to T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh. Like he's had, he's a really good player, but he's not necessarily a perennial double digit sack dude. He's not, and he could, and nah. there, there could be a situation where he could regress to the mean. Um, all I'm saying is, is that that doesn't mean that he's not going to be productive. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. that he's not going to be what we asked for. It just means that we paid a shit ton for it. Um, a lot. We, yeah. Uh, and it and, came with the expense of a Menahue Ebukam who combined for nine and a half sacks last year. So right. it's a bit of a wash right now. Uh, yeah. In terms well, of pass rushing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I text you this. I I was I'd be dying to see what DJ Jones and this guy's production are um side by side. Um I just kind of feel like we got to upgrade a DJ Jones. Uh, if I'm being real with you, I don't, and I, I don't want to piss on the parade, man. Like I'm not, I ain't nobody. Yeah. I'm not trying to be some expert, yeah. you know, yeah. but it's like, I looked at him and he just, he didn't pop. Like it didn't pop to me. And I feel like we, we won an off season move. Um, but for what he gives us, it's a big upgrade. It's a big upgrade. It's a but, big upgrade. But yeah. have we seen have we seen production at that position that could help us along the way for much less money? Yes, we have. Yeah. And it just feels like an overcorrection from the Buckner mistake. They finally acknowledge, like, you know what? We should have kept Buckner. And, and that's you know, and the money that we gave him. Right. It's exactly the same. And it's like it's like we can't we can't keep waiting on Kinlaw, you know, we just we got to go. So, you know what? Let's get the best tackle available. And I feel like what they do is they they love they fall in love with players who play well against them. Against Kyle that. in particular. Yeah. 
I mean, he Hargrave played well against the Niners multiple times. Remember when they signed Quan Alexander a few years ago? Kyle was like, man, there was this one game where Quan had like Quan 20 tackles off. to get. Like that, Kyle, and I, I get that. If, I mean, if you're if you're on the same field as a guy, it leaves an impression, but I kind of feel like that's what happened here. Hargrave's a good player, but, you know, he went against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and did nothing. Like, that, you know, I, yeah, it, it, I just, it, is this, does this make the Niners Super Bowl favorites? No. 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 Um, I, I think that it does, it does fill a spot. Um, yep. we like if we're if we're gonna talk about like what it does, like forget all of the what we feel bullshit. Like if we're gonna talk about what he does, okay. Yeah. What yeah. he does is he's able to push the pocket from the inside and, and oh, yeah, and he's able to help us with our pass rush on the outside. He can also right? shoot gaps. He's not he, just like Arm said, who, who he's yeah. not just a bulldozer, he can shoot gaps. Yeah. So, so he's really good. He's really good. Yeah. I don't wanna yeah. I don't wanna sit here and, and Talk, I mean, yeah, for the story of what we did, yes, it yeah. kind of doesn't make sense. But for what we actually need on the field, we ate a little bit of crow, and I'm glad we did it, you know, because we had to admit that we yeah. we tried to we tried to bring in Javon to cover up that DeForest Buckner blunder, and the football gods won. They said, no, 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 no. no. You're going to have to yeah. pay. You're going to have to bring in a different Javon yeah. to fix this. Yeah. So, and, so, so they had, the money, and what we're saying is, we're saying essentially they're, they're spending $20 million on a player who's probably worth more like 16. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's what you do in free agency, right? You, you splurge. Yeah. You overpay. He got, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, he's really worth the 16, maybe 15, but yeah. for who was available at the moment, the price tag warranted what we had to pay. Right. Also, so, the first two years are are cheap against the cap because of the signing bonus. He gets uh, expensive down the line where he when he won't have guaranteed money. So the Niners have protected him a bit, protected themselves yeah. a bit. Better to have him than not to have him. Um, yeah. I just I just want keep an eye on a Menahue, man because that's a guy who didn't get a lot of snaps. He, he was also very efficient in his pass rushing opportunities, and now he's going to Kansas City where he's going to have a lead all the time. He's going to get more playing time. I have a feeling. He's gonna go off. There's gonna be a lot of guys that are gonna. I'm I'm looking at Aziz over in Tennessee. Um, I'm keeping my eyes on Jimmy in Texas. Um, Yeah. Um. There's a lot of our guys that kind of sprinkled around the league that I'm anxious to see if they, you know, get better or hold the same type of success or production that they did with us. So Mike McGlinchey over in Denver. Everyone's luck. All right. Uh, Everybody's gonna be watching. Oh yeah. Okay, let's take a couple super chats and then we'll finish it up. Moonman says Grant's top three guests are Pops, Coach, and Jesse, Mr. Media. Thank you, Mr. Sir. Media? Thank Who's you. Media? Uh Tony says Kalia Davis and D Jack need to be a major depth piece on the D line year two. Love the show, Grant. Coach always got the beard fresh and the cut fresh. Meanwhile, you, you could tell I haven't gotten my fade touched up in about two weeks. Today that's the goal. Is to get touched up. <laughs> CMC Debo Trey Purdy, who's healthy to uh, to season end, says the resident Niner hater, Ramelia Sports Report. If I had to bet on that, damn, that's a tough one. Who so say he say he's going to say out of these, who's going to be healthy to the season's end? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like who's most likely? Who's like Brock? Brock, yeah, because Brock gets to like waltz in week. He's starting it late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he gets to come to school late. Official BNA Music eighty eight says eight running backs had over two hundred and fifty five fifteen per game this year. Eight, eight. eight. Thank I you. I like the fact that you went and looked, bro. Thank you. Thank you so much. CMC had two forty four, average fifteen point one carries in SF and fourteen point one in Carolina. I did the math without the KC game. All right, so he's right on the threshold. He's right yeah. on the threshold. Fair enough, but he does get a 
a healthy amount of uh, catches as well. What do you think mm-hmm. Brock roommates will do in 2023? Is it and Alfredo, right? Zakel and Alfredo. Those are the two projects on the offensive still line. Be his roommates. Yeah, you can't, you, you can't big big dog. You can't big time your you can't big guys time you came up roommates. with. You can't do it. Nah. Camelot's Red and Gold says reported that Buckner wants to be traded to a contender. It would be something that the Niners could swing to trade him to get back and legitimize greatest D-line. That's not going to happen. That but, would never happen, but it should. It, it should. really should. All right, it last should. thing. I've been bringing this up. My dad brought it up. Um, someone emailed my dad who was in the military and sort of compared Kyle Shanahan to a general, which obviously he's not Dwight Eisenhower. And he's not leading D-Day. This is football. But I think it's fun to sort of, if we're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan's leadership, I guess we sort of have to talk about what traits matter. So what do you think of Kyle Shanahan's leadership? I mean, players do like him. He's not exactly Josh McDaniel, who's universally hated. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, number one, I, I, I want to be respectful. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what I think about Kyle's Shanahan's leadership is that it's relatable. Um, I feel like he is authentic. And that's and, and that's one thing that I've noticed about being a follower, not a leader mm-hmm. myself, but being a follower is that the first thing that comes with anybody who's in an authoritative position is trust. If mm-hmm. I do not trust you, there's nothing to build the platform, build the relationship. And if you're inauthentic, I can't trust you. Who the hell are you? If you're the hell not are authentic, you? I cannot yeah. trust you. And you can say one thing and mean about, another. Yeah, exactly. Whatever this is about, football, tiddlywinks, whatever, <laughs> it's not happening, right? So Kyle has that. He for sure he has, has that. that. Yeah, he has that. And with that, I think that what comes behind his authenticity is his candor, which in a business, the the backdrop of where we are, you know, there's a lot of coaches who can lie to you straight to your face and get away with it. Um, yeah. They can they can coerce you, manipulate you, put you in different positions. And I feel like a lot of players to have that with not just a coach, but the head coach is worth his weight in gold. Um, I think a player, a man, respects you when you tell him where he stands, good, bad, yes. or indifferent. Um, yeah. And with that, those are things that, I need to be there before football even comes into the the picture, right? Right. And that leads me to my third leadership quality that I think uh, Kyle has is that I think that Kyle tries to reach a human level with mm-hmm. all of his players, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes to his dismay, right? Um, he hasn't necessarily found the governor on that, but yeah, th- those are strong qualities that make you go out and injure yourself for a guy that sure. makes you go out and do the right thing when he is not around. Right. Yep. Um, those are the true marks of whether there is good leadership or not. You know, what's one of the things that we look at on football teams, penalties, uh, not knowing plays, just, you know, MAs, mental errors. We mm-hmm. always look at the coach for that. Right. Yeah. Because that speaks to trust. That speaks mm-hmm. to work. Like, how can these guys don't do what you tell them to do? You know? Yeah. Because this is a representation of them being able to do what they want to do without you yelling at them. And look what they've done. Nothing. So those qualities, I think, are strong for Kyle. And I think what undergirds a lot of that is his pedigree. Yes. So uh, yes. 
a lot. But can of I that. say real quick? Can I say real quick? Everything you just listed, I think, served him extremely well as an offensive coordinator too. Authenticity, uh, plain uh, candor, candor, all of that served him well. But what I'm saying here to bring it back to like a a, a war metaphor, I mean, is he a five star general? Is he the general of the generals? Is he the guy leading the entire operation? Is he the guy who's going to win the war? Or is he the guy right underneath the five-star general? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I look at him. Like, that's the question. And I think everything you've said right now is is good. But it's the thing about ultimate leadership, I think, is more than that. I think it's well, more than that. Well, like, his intellectual arrogance, I think, gets in the way. I think a, a, a real leader of leaders has to be humble. And humility comes with blame me. Blame me. And I might not always be right. And I'm willing to take the consequences. That, that's a different level of leadership. Yeah. So we've talked about the maturation of the, yeah. the journey of maturity. Journey of maturity. Journey of maturity, we, baby. I love that. that. Yeah. Um, and yes, you are right. Um, yes. Uh, because the truth is, is that I tried to get all of the good shit out of the way first. And you did a great job. You yeah. did a great job. Because he does have, like, again, he got good uh, reviews from his players in the NFLP. It means something. Solid didn't. Right. Solid but, did not. McDaniels did not. Leader, yeah. In my eyes, if I'm going to be honest, a true leader is a servant. That's what a true leader is. A, a, a leader is a servant. Um, he understands the true initiative at, 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 at risk, and he serves. It's not about him. He yeah. is about the about maturation him. of his pupils. He is yeah. always being the first, to, the first to be wrong because he understands yes. that his vulnerability promotes other people to to look at their problems as not so much, not so big. And he also understands to connect it to war, a war game that the, the cost of battle and that he's his decisions ultimately lead to the, the cost. And you got it. Yeah. So when he says stuff like you know that's football or the guy it was a fluke or this and that it doesn't it makes me wonder if he really appreciates the gravity of what they're doing even though it's not war you know what yeah, I'm saying? in those yeah in, in those moments in those moments I, when he it's a blind spot it's defensiveness it, it's just defensiveness. Yeah, yeah in those moments when he gets defensive it's it's almost like he's internalizing the loss rather than understanding that other people are dealing with this loss as well right good point um good point and yeah it's like you're blaming it all on me it's not all my fault no we're not blaming like, it all no, on you it's you're just you're the in, general yes you have to assume but i mean yeah. it's not obviously not all your fault yes yeah obviously and, not and, yeah and i think that another thing that a good leader does is they're prepared. I don't think Kyle, his arrogance really takes, you see it in his lack of preparedness. And uh, a lot of times he's so smart and he's, and he's so erudite and knowing what he knows that yeah. he gets, when he gets caught flat footed, he doesn't, he doesn't try to learn. He gets angry. <laughs> you know, if you ask him questions that, he doesn't that he didn't see coming or if you he's not prepared to answer or he, he's not prepared he doesn't want to humble himself and say all right let me just be real in the moment and give a real answer he'll evade he'll he'll snap he'll back. turn it back he'll snap back so for example this week we're going to be in the owners meetings and obviously the question on everyone's mind is who's your quarterback who's quarterback, your quarterback 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 yeah. but he might not want to talk about the quarterback just yet 
And so he might snap back at us. And it's like, dude, we're just doing our job. Do this, this. this is what everyone wants to know. But it's like on your schedule, man. You let us know when you're ready to talk about the quarterback. Yeah. In some, in some ways, it's kind of like he just refuses to play the game, which is cool. Yeah. You can be Belichick, right? Sure. But then at the same time, you can't, you can't turn around. Belichick couldn't be Belichick until he got that ring, though. That, that act didn't fly in Cleveland. And it wasn't yeah. going to fly in New England until he got that hardware. Yeah. So, I mean, but at the same time, though, like, I feel like it's an act because Kyle is very gregarious and open with with the media when he's getting asked questions that he likes. Right. Hey, Kyle, you've won 10 in a row. Why are you so great? How did you? Oh, yeah. But as soon as he loses a couple games, hey, what happened when you got that quarterback hurt? What? Yeah. So, I mean, just to keep it to football, though, like, I think that the league is too the league is a meritocracy. Right. It's it's too visceral for there to be some like fake guy with the head spot. And it's not going around the league that the dude's a bozo. Right. Yeah. So um, in some cases, I do lean on that for the things that I do not know about Kyle. But also, you know. He's he's a legacy kid. You know, there's not a lot of people that are going to openly say anything about somebody with the last name Shanahan. That is so true. Look at Robert Griffin for that. All he does is say nice things. It's like, Robert, be honest. You can say it. But he won't. But he knows. He Uh, knows. One more thing uh, about Kyle's leadership. All the things you said, he still wants to be friends with the players. And I think that takes precedence over. Like a real leader sometimes has to make the unpopular decision. For example, Kyle Shanahan shocked his team and his fan base when he traded up for Trey Lance. And then he caved and he started Jimmy. I mean, if you really want, if you really believe in that move, start Trey from day one and begin the process and get rid of any player that's not on board with you because you're the leader. But Kyle wants there to be like a group discussion. And maybe that's why he got such a good grade from the from his players in the NFLPA survey, because everyone gets a say. But it's like, dude, that's not necessarily leadership here. Maybe some players on the team would like you to just tell it like it is and lay the law down and not run everything through George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk and the, the, the seven guys that you know what I'm talking about. The captain. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Captains. The Cabo crew. The, the captain. Yeah, the Cabo crew. Yes. Yeah. Um, some, some guys might feel that way. I do. Well, well, there are guys on our team that you could tell they almost kind of like have a silent protest against that little thing. They're not on the team. Name anymore. one. Jimmy oh, okay. Ward. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say Ayuk. Yeah, and Bre- yeah, Brandon Ayuk is Dude, not. Again, Ayuk punched Fred Warner. Like, I- Ayuk's cool, but at the same time, like, you don't know how he feels about that click. He's not there. He didn't take time out of his life to go to Cabo. Yeah, I mean, in, in the illustrious words of Brandon Ayuk on ESTG. So, look. <laughs> so, now that Jimmy Ward's off the team, I think Brandon Ayuk might be my favorite player. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a. I think there may be like a dirty little secret going on. Like, you know, you, you remember in this, remember how Braveheart, uh, have you ever seen Braveheart? Jesus. I know. No. I'm actually going through like a, 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 a movie run and trying to fill all the gaps right now. So I'm working through the 80s. I watched Fright Night last night. Have you seen Fright Night? It's corny. No. It's a vampire movie. Anyway, I'll watch Braveheart. Sorry. All right. So look. Anybody it's Mel. It's that. It's that anti-Semite. I don't get super juice to go back and watch his movies, but I did love Lethal. Anybody the, who uh, watches Braveheart, they'll get this reference. But I okay. feel like Kyle is Robert the Bruce, and he's lying about 
his father, who people think is away on business, but is really dying and sick upstairs in the tower, who's giving him oh. all of his orders. Oh. And but Robert the oh. Bruce is conflicted with going with William Wallace with the revolution to go against England oh. or to stick with his father who's using him as a puppet who people don't know. And yeah. my question is, is that there's a there's a weird duality with what we're trying to say about Kyle, right? Because we're trying to say this. We don't know this is true. But if he's so cucked with the players, right, then why do you make the Trey Lance move? Where's that energy? Where does that come from? So I understand that you don't want to go to the players and let them know, oh, I made this decision because now I'm going with Jimmy. But where does the colonel initiative start for you to even go after Trey? And you know that you have to see the players anyway. So I feel like he's serving two masters. Like either, either you're serving your players or there's somebody else that pushed you or coerced you into getting Trey because you obviously don't want him. And what's even weird about all of that is, is that, you're not your own man either way because mm -hmm. either you're going to that, you're either serving the master that wanted you that you caved on to go get Trey or you're cucked yeah. by your players who you're supposed to be leading anyway. So yeah. either way, you're not even running the show. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle, something to think about. You got some great qualities. You really do. And you've put together a hell of a team, but we're talking about like winning the war, finishing the job, you know, Finish, all that man. stuff. So you've never done it in your life and it's like you're looking at the finish line and you can see it it's right there it's right but there. i mean that's so. our those are these are our devils to fight though like yeah. our team is trying to get over the hump and yeah. i feel like again whatever we got to do to get there is what we're going to start seeing i just i just don't want to start seeing desperation um but and the Niners have to understand that it doesn't get easier. Like, they've played 40 games in the last year and a half. They're going to have to go play another 2021 20, to win the Super Bowl. Like, you guys are getting old. This you, you, you Time is of the essence. Now yeah. would be a good time to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's got to happen. Let it's me compare happen. this to my uh, indoor soccer career. When I turned 30, I started playing indoor soccer okay. with all my friends that we played in high school. And we were doing pretty well. We made it to, to like, the finals and we never uh -huh. won but we kept thinking next year we're gonna win but every time we kept getting older and the other one other players kept staying the same age and we just kept getting worse and worse and worse and, and we don't started play getting lives yeah we started getting hurt and now we're done now we're 35 and we don't play anymore so you gotta do it now now is yeah. the time yeah i mean you know i don't i think trent's got maybe one more two more in them um so it's time to get realistic uh yeah it ain't gonna be like this forever so we're yeah kyle you, you you can't you can't placate your vets forever. You got to do what's best for the team, and what's best for the team is whatever it takes to win this year. Yeah. Problem and less I mean, is well. Go ahead. We might move on into the sunset with Trey. Let let let's say perfect karma would be Trey turns out what he Trey turns out to be what he was supposed to be, yeah. but he outlives this window. Yeah. That's right. And and George Kittle and everyone that pushed back can go have a you know, can go right off in the sunset and and write their own story. But Trey and Ayuk and all the people it. who are yeah. Yeah. He outlasted it. So yeah. we caught we keep talking about this window so much. Yeah. But life has a funny way of making things. That's all a good right. point. Because what we're talking about really is the Jimmy window. It's it's more like the revenge tour team that's been on revenge tour for that's four over. years. This is I mean, again. 
Armstead, 30. Kittle, 30. Hargrave, 30. Trent Williams, 35. Like, this is, this could be the last dance for those guys. They at least have to approach it that way. Yeah. And while, so. they're, and while they're still looking at the young kid, the young kid is looking at them like, I got way more ahead of me than you guys got behind y'all. Like, I, I yeah. got, like, I got nothing all but time. I got to do, you guys are yeah. trying to win the Super Bowl. All I got to do is show promise and have a good year. They'll True. pour the, they'll pour it into me. Yeah. You guys already got the money. So they're already looking at you guys to hurry. They're already looking at what they don't want to pay you on your last deal, on your last year, your deals anyway. So right. football's got a funny way of contextualizing things because time waits for nobody. That's right. Problem Bless says, would you rather have Bates over Hargrave? Well, yeah. not if you're going to also lose a Menahue and Samson Ebicom. I mean, you have to replace those guys, too. Oh, you guys got a phone call. I love that. Um, I don't know. Bates would, Bates would be cheaper, younger. I guess, yeah. But you can't lose a Menahue also. You got to do something on that D-line. And we did say that they had to improve the trenches. Check first question, Grant. Fernando, you owed me. Check first question. All right, I'll go back. I promise. Okay. I won't. I'll go back. Official BNA Music 88 says, Red said we lack in leadership. It made me take it over for sure. The last man standing. Always get to tell the story. ESTG, ESTG lyrics, lyrics for Trey. <laughs> I was looking at Lil Baby's lyrics. Um, let me go back. There's not that many super chats. Let me go back and find them for Rod. Okay. Here we go back. Uh, oh, here we go. Has Lenore got the juice to be the number one cornerback? Ward played well, but when it rains for him, it pours. And what role should Womack play? I don't I think, think Lenore's shown him. enough to just give him the job. I think he, sh he should compete for it. Nah, I like Sammy Womack, man. I like him. I like um, him. He, yeah. I, I, think, I think with more reps, he can actually be the slot guy. Yeah, yeah. I actually think Womack might have the speed and stickiness to play outside. I mean, he's That's faster so than Lenore. He's he faster, faster than Lenore. Than Lenore. He is. Like Lenore kind of like keeps it conservative, tries not to get beat deep, and still gets beat deep sometimes. Like, and I know he had those nice picks at the end of the season. I'm not writing him off, but he's he's also kind of tough and he's a good tackler. I like him in the in, in the slot, Lenore. Same. Yeah, but the yeah. league has their own way of playing football, and once you kind of get your knack, it's hard for you not to find the field, right? And I yeah, think Lenore true. showed himself to be a pro, especially when you are clearly a bargain. Like you're good and a bargain, you're on the field. You're on the field. Yeah. Anyway, that's the show. Coach, thank you very much. My man. Thank you very much for watching. It's been a while. Thank you, everybody. It's been a while. Regularly, yeah. we will be back. We will be back next Thursday. See you guys. See you then. Peace.